Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 114. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back. If you've listened to us before, welcome. If this is the first time you have joined us here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, we are over two years into this podcasting journey. So if you're just joining us, you have a lot of listening to catch up to. So go back and subscribe to our show in iTunes and Stitcher. If you're on an Android device, just go to the medicalschoolhq.net homepage and click on the little Android man, and that should open up your player of choice on the Android. If you haven't joined our hangout yet, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group and join over 100 students that are hanging out on our private Facebook group and collaborating and and sharing all in Facebook. Today we have an awesome guest. We have a, a fellow podcaster, Dr. Molly Martin, who runs the Medical Spanish Podcast at medicalspanishpodcast.com. Now, Dr. Martin shares her story with us about her journey into medicine and how it was a a non-traditional journey, how she really wasn't pre-med in undergrad, and how she did the, what we would consider a very cliche thing of joining her passion for science and wanting to help people. And we talked about that, how typically it's a cliche thing, but she explains it and it makes total sense how she combined it. And hopefully if you're struggling, trying to come up with that idea of why you want to be a physician and in your mind, you're like, well, I like science and I want to help people. Listen to how Dr. Martin frames how she put that all together and how she obviously got into med school with that information and, and now is a practicing physician and host of this special podcast. 
If after the interview you have any questions for Dr. Martin, head over to medicalschoolhq.net slash 114 and you can leave a comment there for Dr. Martin. We'll make sure she gets them and can answer them. So let's get to the interview. Molly, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Welcome. I should say bienvenidos. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> I want to start by talking about your path into medicine, and we'll get to what you're doing now with the Medical Spanish podcast. But when looking back at in your childhood or whenever it was, when did you know that becoming a physician was right for you? You know, it started with a love for the sciences. I actually used to score really poorly in these tests called the Iowa Tests of Basic Skills. They're Midwestern standardized tests that we all took. And I'd get so nervous for those tests that I would score really poorly. And I was always put in like the lowest level classes. And then I had a science class in sixth grade and was fascinated by the atom (laughs) and scored like the top score on that test and realized I'm not stupid. And that first passion for the sciences and realizing that I actually did have a brain and that I, I was actually smart when it came to science and math. I think that's what got me started thinking about medicine because I gravitated towards those subjects. And then in high school, I worked in a nursing home with um, the elderly and loved it. And I think that's when I really started. That's was my first step, real step towards thinking maybe I should be a physician. So I want to step back for a second. You were taking these standardized tests and weren't doing well, but then you were exposed to the atom and said, holy moly, this is awesome. Yeah. And so it really wasn't that you were bad at standardized tests. You just didn't find anything you were interested in at that point, it sounds like. Maybe. And I think it was just being, I was scared of the standardized tests. So I think it was before I had realized my ability and my strengths, I was so nervous going into those tests that I couldn't perform. And so I needed... Yeah, I needed an interest to be sparked so that I could get over the, well, the nervousness. But it wasn't so much that I was nervous during school, but for those tests. And so I never thought of myself as a huge student until, okay, yep, until the atom, (laughs) until the introduction (laughs) to the atom. It's kind of funny that everything starts with the atom. Yes, it is. (laughs) Literally. So how do you jump from loving the atom to getting into a nursing home? There had to be some intermediate step of, well, let Uh, me see if being around the elderly and (laughs) patients is interesting. Well, that was a step made by my, was it my chemistry professor? I think it was my chemistry teacher in high school. There were some jobs available for students in the sciences and he recommended me for that job and that's how I got it. So that was through my chemistry teacher. Okay. And it wasn't a scientific job, but it was a job that would take a look into the health sciences career. And so, okay. Yeah. And (laughs) And I always, yeah, I don't, it was, I think I had a few choices and that's the one I chose just because I've always liked, I've always liked spending time with grandma and grandpa and the older population. And I still do. I work as an internist in the hospital. So 
my average age of patient is like 85. <laughs> wow. So you're like a geriatrician, but a hospital-based geriatrician. Yeah, we work mostly with the elderly. It's very rare to, well, it's not rare, but our average age is definitely in the 80s. Have a lot of, like I just took care of a 103-year-old lady the other day. So. Wow. What's your record? Um, 104 in the hospital. And she came in after breaking a hip. And oh, of course. And was amazing though. She was like out of there in two days. Wow. I, she was so, yeah, she was wonderful. She's one of my best patients. That's <laughs> so. great. So from nursing home, what were your next steps? I went, well, I, actually, this is one thing that looking at, you know, students or people going into pre-med, I went right into college and. Where'd you go uh, to college? I went to McAllister College in St. Paul. Okay. And. There again, I gravitated towards the sciences, but I wasn't sure I wanted to be a doctor. I actually didn't decide until after I graduated. I went back and forth between molecular biology and health sciences, like which would I do if I'm going to do research. And so when I graduated, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And that was a good thing because I didn't go right into school again. I spent time traveling. Graduated high school or college? No, this is college. Okay. Says college. So you went through your college years not really being pre-med? No, I just ended up doing all the pre-med because I liked those classes. Okay. And so I realized I'm getting all the pre-med requirements anyways. And so I did take like a philosophy course or something in order to round out my pre-med requirements. But mm -hmm. no, I didn't purposely choose pre-med. It just kind of came to me because that's what I liked. Yeah. And so it was kind of a, yeah, it was a natural progression. And after college, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I did not apply for medical school right away. I decided to travel and do research in a lab when I wasn't traveling. And then during that time, I realized, you know, I really don't like not being like, I love customer, like being with people and serving people when I'm working. And in the lab, I was all by myself all day long <laughs> and didn't really like that. And so I realized, no, I need to do something where my, I'm doing something scientific, but I'm like directly working with a person or like helping a person through science. So that's yeah. why I decided to go into medicine. And so I applied a year later and then I got in and then I said, I don't want to go yet and deferred another year. And I totally recommend not going right into medical school, but to travel. And I was also able to, after I got in, I took a year to volunteer a lot. And that was really good. Worked with Planned Parenthood and worked with a Latino group. Interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it was funny. I did all my volunteer after I got into med school. I was like, <laughs> damn, I could have had this on my... <laughs> you obviously didn't need it. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. So it's funny. No, I got, yeah. You ask a lot of pre-meds, why do you want to be a doctor? And a lot of them will say, well, I like science and I want to help people. I know it's, it's such a standard answer. It is a very cliched answer, but when you hear it from somebody now like yourself, who is a physician and looking back yeah. and listening to your path of doing the bench research and really not liking to be by yourself, but loving the science part and missing the I think you were going to say the customer service part of it. Yeah, I did. Because I, I, I did like customer service. Yeah, and, and that's what we do. Yeah, it is. And so it's, and you merge those two and you, you realize that being a physician was the perfect avenue for that. So I think for those listening, if you like the sciences and you like helping people, think about 
what Molly was just talking about of, of how she merged those two and if that's really something. Because I think it's important to, especially nowadays when you're at your, your med school interview of, of articulating why you really want to be a doctor. And, and it's really not a great answer now to, in an interview to say, well, I want to help people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you need to really articulate it and figure that out for yourself. So, and you did. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that a lot, though. It is a very standard answer, but it's the truth and you got to be yourself. So you get the you have to give. So if that's your answer, give it and just back it up. Yeah. Yeah. When you applied to medical school, obviously you had these couple years off. What was it like for you to apply and kind of I'm assuming maybe you were on your own when you applied? How did you kind of tread those waters of applying and uh, figuring all that out? Oh, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a weird person. I just decided one night, okay, I'm going to apply for med school. And I applied and pretty much did everything very, pretty quickly and studied for the, the MCAT and did it all very quickly, just decided that's what I'm going to do. And once I decided I did it, um, so I didn't put a lot of thinking into it. That's kind of how I do things. <laughs> I never... I don't like to mull things over or pros and cons once I feel like this is the right thing. Once I decide, like I feel something in my gut, I just go for it. And that's how I did it with med school. I didn't, I don't remember a lot of, once I decided I just went for it. And I remember I did my whole application like within a few days. Wow. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. You applied pre-electronic, I'm assuming. Um, electronic applications. When did you apply to med yeah, school? I applied in 1996 right. or 95. So we're dating you. Yeah, you are. <laughs> 1996. I yeah. Think. So pre-electronic applications. Yeah, it was definitely. I remember, yes. I mean, I did it all on the computer, but I had to print it out and yeah. then, yeah, put it in a big yellow envelope and <laughs> mailed it. Mail it off. Yeah. Awesome. And so obviously you got into med school. Where did you end up going to med school? The University of Minnesota. All right. I'm from Minnesota. The Gophers. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So I want to talk about what you're doing right now with work. And then we'll talk about the podcast because I think that's very interesting. So talk about your journey into kind of being a hospitalist now, what, what was that like? Cause that's still a relatively new field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually when I graduated from internal medicine and I always knew I wanted to do primary cause I like to know the whole picture of things. I, it's hard for me to let go and just focus on one little part, especially right now with the complexity of patients. It's hard to just focus on one little part. They're all interacting. And so it would, I wanted to see the whole patient. So that's how I decided internal medicine. And then also I like the diagnosis part, like the puzzle and figuring out like what's going on here and putting everything together, the history, the exam and the labs and images. And so when I graduated from internal medicine residency, I actually went to the traditional mode of practice where you, I went up to Northern Minnesota to a small town named Bemidji. And it's like three hours from the nearest main hospital or big hospital with 
multi-specialty hospitals. So we actually had to take care of a lot of things that usually would go somewhere else because we didn't have a nearby hospital and people didn't want to travel to a hospital three hours away. Mm -hmm. So that was, I really enjoyed that part of it, but I also did clinic. So I did clinic five days a week and then I would take call like every, I think it was fourth weekend. And then you'd take call during the week as well. And I liked it, but I didn't really like the clinic, to be honest. (laughs) What about it? Clinic turned into a lot of problems that we don't have good solutions for. And a lot of people want an easy fix. And a lot of the problems that people came in with were things that needed lifestyle changing and not a pill. And people who come to the doctor for those problems don't usually like to talk about that option. They want a (laughs) pill. And so it got kind of exhausting to just always be trying to go towards the lifestyle cheerleader and people wanting you to give them a pill. Cause I'm very anti-medicine. I mean, I, let me back up there. I'm very anti like polypharmacy and I was always trying to get people off medications and it was, people didn't want that. They wanted their pills. And so that's why I chose to go to hospital medicine because I am, I like more natural means of healthcare and trying to keep yourself healthy through good lifestyle choices and only going to the medicines when it's absolutely necessary. And that's where the hospital is such a good fit for me. It also, you see your, the acute illness that comes in is really interesting to try to figure out and treat. So I found it more interesting too, just the problems that came in. That's how I switched over to hospital medicine. Some people are so good at the clinic and I wouldn't discourage it, but it takes a special touch. And I think a wonderful niche would out there for the clinic. And something I might think of doing in the future is doing more of a holistic medical clinic. So you're kind of attracting that population that wants to get away from the medications and more into nutrition and exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You, you mentioned the the patients that would just say, give me the pill, give me the pill. And you're like, well, you need to exercise first. Mm -hmm. And the way healthcare reimbursements are going with patient satisfaction scores being tied to reimbursement. And so if you have patients that just want a pill and you are not that type of physician, your satisfaction ratings might not be very high. Yeah. You know, I have to say I was lucky. I had good. I mean, yeah, it's true, but that's not what discouraged me. I'll say, I just ignore the patients. I mean, (laughs) I don't ignore the patient satisfaction when, with the patient, with the direct patient relationships, but as far as scores and things, I just focus on my day-to-day interactions and try not to look at the scores because it's just, you can't win. You And I do truly believe if you start, fo- you need to focus on what is right for the patient and not what will make them give you a good score. Because once you start doing that, then you have a conflict of interest that should yeah, be there. Without so, a doubt. Yeah. So let's talk about... The Medical Spanish Podcast. When did this kind of idea get birthed in your mind? Okay, this is is when I went to Honduras, actually, through, I was up in Bemidji, and a group of 
it was through the Bemidji Rotary Association, I think it was. They were going to Honduras on a um, medical mission. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go with because I went to Bolivia when I was in college and, and had kept up my Spanish since then because I, I just, to be honest, it's because I love Latin America and I love the Latino culture. They're relaxed. They deal on a daily basis with crisis with such grace that you don't see in the United States where we have so many privileges and life comes so easy to us. And I, I've gotten so much strength from just being around Latinos in that culture. So I've always had a passion for Latin America and its culture and the people that I've met from Latin America. It's been, it's enriched my life. And so I was up in Bemidji where there aren't a lot of Latinos and ended up having this opportunity to go to Honduras. And after coming back from that trip, I thought, I can't let this go. I need to keep my connection to Latin America and with Spanish and thought I'm going to start this podcast because this will be a way to keep me connected even when I'm way up here in Bemidji. And I had a friend, a good friend of mine, Maria. She was at the, she was in the beginning of the podcast and she and I put together the first episodes and it became a passion because it was my connection to to Spanish and Latin America that was that I needed to keep strong even when I was up in Bemidji, Minnesota. <laughs> and so why medical Spanish? Obviously, you think there's a need there. Yeah, because whenever I went to look for medical texts, medical Spanish texts, they were like beginning Spanish, mm-hmm. um, medical Spanish. And I thought, no, there are a lot now. I was at a pretty good level when I started the podcast and I thought, well, none of these serve me very much because I already know the basics of Spanish. And it was like getting through all of the basics to get to the information I needed. And so I thought I'm going to start at an intermediate level and go beyond that to focus just in on the medical Spanish for people who already have a good basis of Spanish and want to become fluent in the medical jargon with patients. It's definitely for like patient-centered medical Spanish, not for physician-physician medical Spanish. But so I wanted to take people who already knew Spanish and go beyond the do um, you, go beyond the basics. Do you have any data of like the percentage of Spanish-speaking population that that are in the hospital on a daily basis where physicians would need this medical Spanish? No, I do not. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have that data. Okay. Interesting. Obviously, the Spanish-speaking population in this country is huge. There's no denying that. And so from what you've seen, what are some of the advantages for a physician to know even basic Spanish, which a lot of physicians don't even know basic Spanish? I, you know, whenever you're able to directly communicate with someone that speaks a language you don't or that you are not fluent in, even if it's just a few words, I think that connection is invaluable. I mean, because I work with interpreters every day in other languages and comparing that experience to when I can actually talk directly to my Spanish speaking patients, even if it, the difference that makes is huge. And if you do need to use an interpreter, that's good. I mean, you should use an interpreter if you don't have the skill set yet to competently communicate with the patient about 
their symptoms and what's bringing them to the clinic or hospital, you should use that interpreter. But if you can learn just those basic, or if you can just phrase your, you know, attempt to phrase your questions and then have the interpreter help you out, that attempt is going to build that trust and that relationship with the patient that I think is invaluable when you're trying to figure out, when you're trying to help them and get them to open up to you about what's going on. That's an interesting take on it. I don't know if I've ever thought about it in that way, that it's more of a, or can be a relationship builder and rapport builder. Yeah, no, there is. I did recently read an article about data on when you're able to just that, that compassion and the direct relationship with the patient. If you can give a compassionate, positive aura or whatever to the, if you can give them that vibe. Yeah, that vibe. That's exactly what I'm (laughs) looking for. If you can give your patient a compassionate, positive vibe, that actually helps them get well, better, like in the hospital. Even they'll get out of the hospital faster. And I think that kind of goes along with if you can say a few words in their native language, it shows that you care and you are going to connect with them. Because once you have that interpreter there, it does that breaks that there's does interrupt the connection somewhat. And so I think it's invaluable and I think it helps the patient. It helps them feel more secure and safe in their. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. So let's have a medical Spanish session right now. Okay. <laughs> let's let's learn what are some maybe like just two or three key things. Like everybody knows donde está el baño. Like mm-hmm. where's the bathroom? Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing if you go to a Spanish country. Mm-hmm. What what as a physician and walking into a, a patient room that has a, a Spanish speaking patient what are some maybe two or three key phrases to open up that relationship? that maybe we can say in Spanish. Well, I guess you would just simply start with the greeting. So usually you would start with a greeting if it's morning. You would say buenos dias, afternoon, buenas tardes. So those would be the two things. I think that would help a lot. Just say knowing to do buenos dias or buenas tardes. And then um, you would introduce yourself. So it is the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a, a student, you would say... Well, you could say, soy el estudiante, and then you would say your name. So I would say, soy la, because I'm a woman, I'd say, soy la estudiante Molly Martin. And if you're a doctor, you'd say, soy la doctora Molly Martin. And then it'd be good to ask and confirm you're with the right person, <laughs> es usted, <laughs> es usted, la señora, and then you would say their name. So then after you greet them and you've introduced who you are and made sure they're who you think they are. Just saying mucho gusto or es un placer um, conocerlo or la, depending on if it's a man or a woman. So, but I think the easiest way, if you don't know Spanish, is just say mucho gusto. You can say it after you meet anyone, mucho gusto. And what is that? What is it that conveying? Means, um, that means it's a pleasure. It's good to meet you. So okay. mucho gusto, and it works for man or woman. You just said it's a great way to just say it's good to meet you. Great. Yeah. What about I'm going to get an interpreter or whatever phrase that would be? Like, I've introduced myself. I've made that attempt, but I really need an interpreter to finish this off. Yeah. Then you would say, if you're going to leave the room, you'd say, un momento, voy por un interprete. And that just means I'm going to get an interpreter. So... Awesome. Boy, yeah, 
<laughs> All right. So everybody that's listening, rewind that multiple times. Go practice. <laughs> roll your R's. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, I have a good one for people who are le- want to learn how to roll their R's because I could not roll my R's even after I had like studied Spanish for many years. I still couldn't roll my R's, and so Mercedes, a friend of mine from Peru taught me this saying that helped me roll my R's and I'd say it all the time in the bus. Everyone would look at me. <laughs> and so, and I was in the in Providence, Rhode Island bus. So they were mostly Latinos and from the Dominican Republic. And now we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> but here's the phrase. It goes, R con R cigarro. R con R barrel. Rápido ruedan los carros cargados de azúcar al ferrocarril. And it will work. If you say it over and over, you will learn to roll your R's. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, if you wanted to learn your <laughs> R's, I just, it works. It's never failed anyone I've taught it to. <laughs> All right. So I want a, um, for everybody listening, I want a videotape of you doing this and then you can go post it on the website. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> not you, not you. For everybody oh, no, else no. listening, that's their homework. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, Molly, what's one piece of advice now that you're out practicing as a physician, kind of distanced yourself from being a student? Looking back for the pre-med that's listening right now, what advice would you give him or her? Well, first, what I said is don't go. I would not spend all your years in school before entering med school. I think taking some time off to travel and or and make your own make money and make your living for a little bit before you go into med school is a good idea. And so I think that would be my end to travel or if not travel, do some sort of exploration, something that's passionate to you. And take a year and do that. Explore because you're not I mean, once you get into med school you're going to be busy. And if you've already started that exploration before med school, you're going to find a way to keep exploring afterwards. But I really would recommend starting the exploration before you get into med school. So it's that much easier to pick it up and keep it going. All right. Again, that was Dr. Molly Martin from medicalspanishpodcast.com. Go check her out. Say hola. And uh, let her know you heard about the Medical Spanish Podcast here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast. You can uh, reach out to her. She's on Twitter at MedSpanishPod, M-E-D Spanish P-O-D, MedSpanishPod. Go say hi to her on Twitter. Go follow them. they got tons of great resources for your Spanish-speaking endeavors. If you haven't yet left a rating or review for our podcast, or even the Medical Spanish Podcast, you can do that too, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave us a rating and review. This greatly helps us in iTunes, in Apple's podcast store, so that others that are looking can find us. If you do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. Our latest one is from Relentless and Committed, who says, thank you. They start off their review saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Gray. I really appreciate every single podcast. They're hoping to 
apply this summer in 2016, be a physician or a medical student, actually. It'd be nice if you can just skip medical school and go straight to physician, wouldn't it? <laughs> so medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. You can email me, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net, if you have any questions, comments, concerns. If you're looking for any one-on-one advising, you can email me there and we can talk. So go do that as well. All right. As always, I hope you enjoyed the information today. Go say hi to Dr. Martin at Medical Spanish Podcast. And I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 